Hey, what's up, guys? It's your boy Feño. This is the Early Prelim Podcast, and we're here to talk about MMA as always. I'm gonna be taking some questions because there's no event this week, but we have two events last week. Uh, let's talk about the bigger of the two. It was Bellator 301. Uh, main event had Jason Jackson against Jaroslav Amosov, and I, uh, to be honest, I've never seen Jason Jackson fight before, and I think he looked fantastic here. He's a Henry Hu fighter, and he looked very solid. He's a big, strong dude, athletic, and he was denying Amosov any time that he tried to close the distance. Then he was starting punishing him with with the jab, using the jab as a frame to set up those long uppercuts, it was very cool and the the end of the fight came in the I think second round and he finished him with a sprawl after hurting him super bad. He just face planted him with a sprawl. I thought Jason Jackson looked great here. Um Amosov, I think the the ceiling is starting to show a little bit obviously. Uh, I think he had like the very fight like longest winning streak in in MMA right now and or at least for an undefeated fighter he was 27 and 0 and he moves to 27 and 1 after this so yeah J- Jason Jackson is our new welterweight champion the cool main event was sad hours for me it was Sergio Perez versus Patchy Mix uh Perez as we know um very easy to pressure and Patchy Mix like super super long. Uh, Perez on the de- defending Patchy Mix, even though I don't want to do it. Um, the the size difference, like mass size, they didn't look that different. I gotta be honest. I I think uh, Sergio looked very thick here. Uh, Patchy looked quite skinny next to him, but obviously the the height difference was enormous. Um, and yeah, the thing with the thing with the takedowns, I mean, Patchy Mix is great at getting to the back. That's like what he does is great. Uh, he has power on the feet. He knows how to pressure. He did a good job of like just staying out of range when Perez was getting aggressive and then just pushing forward, trying trying to drop to the legs. Uh, Patchy Mix, I don't think is a great striker or a great wrestler, but he's smart. He knows what his A game is. And when he starts making like grappling happen, he's very, very dangerous. And he showed here because Sergio has been very hard to submit from back take. Uh, Random Moreno, I mean, obviously a lot smaller than Patchy Mix, but uh, back takes, especially on his own, uh, wasn't able to submit Perez. And actually, uh, I think uh, they mentioned that Perry trained with Patchy for that fight. So, so yeah, but Patchy Mix brought some tricks here. Uh, the finish was very sick. Uh, I I haven't been able to rewatch these fights because I don't have uh, I don't have the zone or whatever you need to watch Bellator. So yeah, I haven't rewatched. So yeah, I cannot give you any details about the Rinaldi trial. I, I thought it was very cool, and a lot of people did breakdowns about it, but I haven't rewatched it myself to break it down. But but yeah, Pachi Mix is great from the back, and he's your undisputed uh, Bantamweight Bellator champion right now. Before that, we have Ruffian Stotts against Danny Sabatello, a rematch. The first fight wasn't very good at all, and this one was actually great. Uh, Sabatello came out very aggressive, uh, looking to stand up uh, Ruffian with the high kicks, then dropping levels into takedowns. Ruffian Stotts is a great mat wrestler. 
um, so he was like doing a lot of stuff. Uh, going back to Rufusport because Ruffion is a, a teammate of Sergio Perez. Um, he showed like great, great uh, back take defense, reversing Sabatello like four times in this fight. Um, I was joking about how he was being aided by by the small ways that he has. Like <laughs> Ruffian Sutt has great physique, uh, let me say. But yeah, um, it was a, a, just a very fun fight, especially the uh, the scrambling, uh, a lot of mat wrestling. Sabatello with some sick arm drags. I gotta give it to him. Those were great. And Ruffian Sutt looked great overall. He was bad for sure. Stotts was the was the one landing all the hard strikes in all three rounds, in my opinion. Uh, easy 30-27 uh, score for Stotts, in my opinion, here. But yeah, I mean, it was a good good fight. It was a good fight. Before that, we have AJ McKee Jr. against Sidney Outlaw. And this one was not very fun. Uh, but it was interesting because it was a fight that AJ was winning from his back. Sidney just refusing to do anything from top position. And McKee just landing a bunch of elbows, and then on the on the third round, McKee getting the takedown. That he was still reversed, but it was all McKee doing the damage here. Not much else to say. A uh, bit concerning moving forwards uh, in lightweight against uh, big lightweights who actually have a, like a top top damaging game. Uh, obviously, McKee a very good grappler, so I don't think. It's very concerning that he ends up on his back against guys that will look to advance position like it was the case with Sydney here. But uh, against like dudes with actual ground and pound, it could be a bit concerning, to be honest. He needs to work on that takedown defense, especially against big dudes, now that he cannot rely on his big frame to defend takedowns. And the opening fight of the... Um, of the main card was Alexander Shabley against Patricky Pitbull. Pitbull here looks super lost. Uh, never, I don't know what the idea was. I think it was to counter with the left hook, I guess. Uh, Shabley was just like pressuring, but with very low volume, uh, putting strikes uh, together, especially the kicking at range. Patricky did not have any answer to that, but anytime that they got into like pocket exchanges, Shabley would look very vulnerable to the left hook. I said live that, um, that left hook was getting closer and closer during pocket exchanges. I was not liking the pocket exchanges for Shavli. And yeah, eventually Pitbull hurt him with a with a left hook inside the pocket. Other than that, Shavli looked alright, but I think um this shows that um some of the limitations, he's not this invincible striker that some people are making out to be. Um, especially in the pocket, I think he looked very vulnerable here. He did not have answers. Uh, Patricky kept cho kept showing the the same left hook, and during blitzes, Shavli also looked very uncomfortable. So yeah, Shavli is great when he has the initiative, and I think he's a very good fighter, especially because he also has like the the wrestling defense and a good grappler on top of being like a super quick damaging striker with a nice process. But I think uh, he could have trouble against uh, elite. Um, lightweights that have an actual like uh, boxing game inside the pocket and more than just a left hook and I did not watch anything on on the undercard so I will not comment about that then we have uh, the next day we have UFC Allen versus Craig uh, I said last week I was expecting Brendan Allen to beat the shadow of Paul Craig uh, be just before the event, I said like maybe Bokrev can get something done if he gets the fight being a bit dirty because we know Brendan Allen likes to likes to be in like shield fights to get control of, of like a slow pace. 
But yeah, it was not the case. Brendan Allen beat the shit out of Paul Craig on every phase of the fight, uh, especially from top position. He was very, very good with ground and pound, especially. Uh, he was doing a great job of flattening up Paul Craig uh, inside the the full guard and put him flat on his back, then using the the can opener to to put some elbows together. Uh, I was commenting how it could be maybe risky for Alan to use the can opener. I think we can all agree can opener is a good technique to use inside close guard nowadays. It, not like, it, it is not like 10 years ago when can opener could expose you to an armbar. But Paul Craig is actually like a good that a guy that is very good with armbars and, and triangles especially. So yeah, I mean, maybe there was something, but he was able to uh, grab a, an arm uh, at the end of the of the first round and then just never again. Allen just beat the shit out of him. Um, and yeah, Ray Arneke choke, Brendan Allen, one of the best at finishing Ray Arneke choke in the sport. Um, and Allen looked good here. Uh, so what's next for him? He said like he wants like Hamzat or Whittaker for a, for a title shot. Um, and to be honest, I'd be quite fine if they do that. I think they would never put Bernard Allen versus Hamzat in there, just because they want Hamzat to to either fight someone that they can hype on the future or give him an easy win. Um, I think I would have to pick uh, Shimaev over Allen, but I I don't think it does match for the UFC if, if it if it plays that way. So I don't think they make that fight happen. Maybe against Whitaker, but is that a title shot guaranteed? Um, I'm not sure. But yeah, I mean, good for Allen. Uh, Paul Craig, what's next for him? I don't know. He can be like an action fighter at 185. I don't think he's like too big for the weight class. I think he looks fine. Uh, Brendan Allen just happened to be a very bad matchup because he was just better than him everywhere. Uh, the co-main was Michael Morales versus Jake Matthews. I think Michael Morales showed a lot of improvement here. I think a lot of people. And Michael Morales is a fighter that annoys me a lot personally. But uh, you can't deny that he's very, very talented. Um, and yeah, I mean, he's getting better at the things he likes to do, establishing long range, angling and look for counters. Uh, anytime they get into like pocket exchanges, Morales looks very vulnerable, but he throws back and he throws hard. So you can ignore that. And he's just like so athletic, has good eyes. He's very long for the division as well. And... He was committing very, very nice to disrupt the the shifting entries of Matthews with with inside leg kicks inside the pocket. I thought that was interesting. That was a cool look. I would be happier if Morales worked on his jab. He has a good mechanical jab, but he really doesn't know how to use it very well. Uh, I mean, he does work with the jab, but he could be doing a lot more to set up bigger strikes. I think that's a problem for a fighter as athletic as as Morales is that he doesn't hurt people that often. I mean, he has the big power, but he doesn't really have setups. He kind of depends on the opponent fucking up and he fighting the the big shot. But, but yeah, I mean, good for Morales. Uh, he's obviously like a very impressive prospect. Uh, what his ceiling is, I don't know. Um, I don't even know where he trains, but he's like undefeated. He has the confidence. He's super young and he's big for the division. He has a lot going for him. Uh, do I like him? Uh, not really, but I think he's showing... He's improving. Uh, he showed a lot of improvement here that I was not expecting. I think he was like looking like 
like just an athletic grifter in his other fights, which is fine. Like if you if you are smart, you can make that work. But I think he's putting like an actual game together here. Uh, that that game is kind of annoying in my opinion. I'm not a big fan, but but I think Morales looks good. Uh, he's a good fighter, um, not like great, but he's alright. Especially with if you weigh in all the athletic advantages that he has, he's just good. Uh, before that, we has we have Chase Hooper versus Jordan Levitt. Uh, I want this. I wanted these guys to scramble a lot, and they did. It was a lot of fun, actually. Um, some cool stuff. Uh, end of the fight came as uh, Hooper has the bag with a with a seat belt. Uh, Levitt tries to roll. Hooper just follows him with the roll, and as they are rolling, uh, he he converts the the overhook arm of the seatbelt, uh, he slides it just under the shin immediately, gets the rear naked choke, it was a beautiful choke, uh, good for Chase Hooper. Before that, uh, Peyton Talbot for Nick Aguirre, very funny fight because Nick Aguirre uh, wrestled the shit out of Peyton Talbot on the first round, and uh, not much damage though, and then he looks super tired, and he was like super scared of striking with Peyton Talbot. Talbot here looked solid. Uh, I think I liked this performance when he was on the feet more than the Contender Series one. Um, he just puts like good strikes on the right places when he's pressuring. Uh, he's very athletic. He hits hard with both the hands and the feet. And uh, he had like a good reversal to, to end up on mount at the end of the... I mean, on the beginning of the third round, I got the rear naked choke too. A lot of rear naked chokes this week. But yeah, Talbot is alright. Uh, I'm not super hyped on him. Uh, people love the personality. I don't know why. Maybe it's because he posts like summer memes on Twitter. I don't know. But uh, yeah, I mean, I'm pretty indifferent to Talbot right now. Uh, but he's good. He's good at his promising. Uh, he's probably has. He will probably be a ranked fighter in the future. He has a lot of good attributes and seems seem to have a great mind for fighting. I think he stays like cool, calm, collected inside the octagon. He has great cardio. He has a great chin because the defense was not very good on the contender series fight. He was just, he just kept moving forward, landing smart damaging strikes. So yeah, I understand why some people like Talbot a lot. He's not my cup of tea, but he's, he's obviously good and he's a good addition for 135. Before that, uh, maybe my hypest moment of the week, uh, Amanda Hivas for Luana Pinheiro. Pinheiro came out swinging on the first round and she was hurting. I mean, not like rocking, but she was getting like clean connections of Amanda Hivas, uh, throwing mostly like the big overhand and closing the door with the left hook. Uh, Hivas looked kind of lost. I thought uh, Pinheiro was starting to fall apart a little bit on the, uh, the end of the first round, but I was not expecting Hivas to take over, but she did. Uh, actually, she, she like started kicking a lot more and uh, and the kicks were making uh, Pinheiro like lose the range. She was whiffing a lot with her punches. Uh, Hivas was starting to connect more uh, with the jab, with the kicks. Uh, Pinheiro was starting to tire, especially as Hivas was starting to land some nice kicks to the body. Uh, Pinheiro tried to wrestle, Amanda Hivas show, showing us that she's still a tremendous defensive grappler. Uh, she showed us against Mackenzie Dern, and especially here at 1, 115 when she's like pretty big for the weight class. 
I think 125, which is a bit too small to deal with some of those girls. And then on the third, uh, like Amanda came like putting on the pressure, especially landing the spinning back kicks to the body. Pinheiro was getting super tired, and then she landed that spinning wheel kick as Pinheiro was was circling and then finished finished her with punches. It was great. It was amazing. I was happy for her. Uh, I mean, obviously, there's a lot to improve in Hivas, but she has a lot of heart. She figures out a lot of stuff during fights. She's smart inside the cage. She's co very conditioned and tough. So, yeah, I mean, I like Amanda Hivas a lot. Uh, Pinheiro is solid, too. I hope she comes back after this. Uh, before that, we have... Orobai versus Uros Medish. Uh, Orobai obviously a late replacement uh, for Parsons. Parsons a striker. Uros Medish was probably doing his whole camp expecting to to either strike or be the superior grappler if anything happened, and that was not the case. Orobai is a tremendous wrestler. A first round, uh, Uros Medish hurt him pretty bad. Orobai survived, uh, then went on the wrestling grind and didn't accomplish much with that. I think Uros won the first round. But then on the second one, he exposed the back and got a nasty neck crank. Nasty neck crank. Nothing of Ryaneke choking there. It was all neck crank. And it was nasty and it's a good way, a good win for Orobai. And he's obviously a good addition to, to 170. Joanderson Brito adopted a new kid. Uh, as you know, Joanderson Brito, the, the father, of Diego Lopez and Andre Fili, and now he adds another lanky dude to the connection to the collection of kids, uh, Jonathan Pierce. Jonathan Pierce, I think he looked very good here. He was putting the wrestling together. He was doing good stuff, and obviously the meme moment of this was Jonathan Pierce just uh, holding Brito down next to the cage and asking him like, "Do something! Like why? Why are you not getting up?" <laughs> then a few moments later. Jonathan uh, Brito generates a scramble. Uh, Pierce reshoots, and Brito uh, grabs a nasty ninja choke. Uh, so ninja choke uh, is like a rear naked choke uh, uh, grip, but uh, from a guillotine position. Uh, some people call it a power guillotine as well. And yeah, I mean it's sometimes hard to do, but the the best the best place to find it is like against the cage when a guy is shooting, because if you close it. it if you close it good, there's like no getting out of there, especially if you are as strong as Brito. So yeah, great win for Brito. Uh, I don't think he called for Danilla, but that would be a great fight, to be honest. Before that, uh, another sad one for me, uh, Jose Johnson fought Shad and Helliger. I, I like a Helliger, but yeah, this wasn't it in this fight. And Helliger was trying to wrestle a lot and he was not winning. Uh, he, when he was trying to wrestle Jose Johnson, he was getting hit a lot. Then he, when he got takedowns from the position, he, he was getting hit a lot and reversed sometimes. Um, Helliger was having some success inside the pocket and moving forwards on the feet. But then he ended up on clinches when he, he was not winning. And then on the top position, he was not winning. Yeah, it was not a very good position. I mean, Jose Johnson is super tall and Helliger not very big for, for 135. So it was it was a tough one. Uh, good win for Jose Johnson. Uh, his wrestling not very good, but he looks like a good grappler. He has damaging striking, so... So yeah, I mean, he's alright. Before that, Mim Mam uh, from England, Christian Leroy Duncan for Dennis Tululin. 
And um, yeah, Trilogy just never got going here. Duncan just looking solid. Um, and improving, I think. Uh, I like some stuff that he did in the clinch. Uh, the uppercuts, the elbows. Uh, I don't think he's fixing a lot of problems that he showed in the uh, in the Petrosian fight. So, so yeah, I mean, it's whatever. I mean, he's he's nice to have around in white eighty five, but but for the level of athlete that he is, I think I'm expecting a bit more in the terms of like skills. He's like creative and smart, and those are very good qualities to have, especially as an athletic fighter. But I think the process could make. Uh, some work. Uh, Mick Parkin fought Kayo Machalis was an awful fight. I'm not going to talk about that. Jekka Saragi killed Lucas Alexander, sent him to the Shadow Realm. Uh, a lot of people are very annoyed when, when people use the Shadow Realm meme. I think it's kind of funny, but you you gotta use it like very scarcely. Aileen Perez fought Lucy Pudilova. Uh, mostly like a top position. Uh, I did not watch a lot, to be honest. Very boring. Uh, apparently, Aileen Perez got into a scuffle with fellow UFC bantamweight Jocelyn Edwards at the UFC PI. And then Aileen Perez's coach was choking uh, Jocelyn Perez. I don't know. It's It was a fucking mess. I don't know what happened, to be honest, but sounds bad. Sounds very bad for everyone involved. Like, why the fuck are you fighting? Uh, Nicolas Mora fought Trey Ogden. And Trey Ogden, who looks like super, super underwhelming in his fight against uh, Ignacio Bayamondes, look great here. Look fucking great here. Uh, he was doing good stuff with the jab, pairing it with the left hook, fighting takedowns every time Mota was getting aggressive. And then at, at the third round, he got a very nice... Uh, arm triangle and then Mike Beltran the referee uh, shakes the hand of Nicolas Mota who was clearly awake but he told him like show me you're awake to a guy that doesn't speak English uh, it's your job as the referee to, deter to determine if a fighter is awake a fighter that is getting like shocked out but is working to get up and doesn't speak the language I think does not have the responsibility to give you a thumbs up or react on a, on a good way and especially chokes are mostly safe I think he could have stopped that a bit later and not rob Trey Ogden of his win this was a no contest and it was complete bullshit um, just a shit show the opening fight was Rafael uh, Esteban versus Charles Johnson and man Charles Johnson is like bad at winning fights because I think he's very good and <laughs> uh, yeah it was tragic he was he's also a slow starter and that that doesn't pair well I think Charles Johnson's very cool I hope he's not getting cut here and uh, Stevam got very tired but the the wrestling and the grappling look impressive here that was it for the two events um, not much else to say I think we can go into a few and fight announcements and I get to the questions because there's no UFC this weekend. Uh, but there's PFL on Friday, I think. We'll get to that eventually. Uh, first, uh, Marcos Rogerio de Lima is fighting Justin Taffa, so big boys are going to bang. I'm okay with that. Uh, for heavyweight, this is fine. Uh, Victor Altamirano will fight Felipe Dos Santos. Very cool fight, actually. Very cool fight. Uh, they want this in an event that 
Now the UFC wants to happen in Mexico. We'll see what happens. This is for February. Edgar Chaires will rematch Daniel Lacerda in Mexico too. Um, yeah, Lacerda, hell of a ride in the UFC, losing all the time. And then when he was like, okay, he cannot lose this one. He gets another bullshit submission stoppage. <laughs> and yeah, I mean, the rematch. Uh, we'll see if Lacerda can finally win a fight. Uh, Roman Dolitze is fighting Nasurdin Imabov. This one is a good fight, actually. Uh, this one on February third. Uh, interesting to see because uh, Imabov should be a lot better than Dolitze on the feet, especially. And Imabov is like a solid defensive wrestler. So if he doesn't get tired, he should win this one. But but Dolitze, you know, is a nasty dude, um, and maybe can get some. Some grappling going on. I, I I think Imabov takes top position a lot if he can get it. And he can may, maybe get lured into taking Dolitza down and then he's in Dolitza's world. I don't know. Dolitza does a lot of cool stuff from his back and like nothing else is very good about his game. Like he's he's big and powerful, but, but yeah. Michael Johnson is fighting Darius Flowers, who is dropping down to 155. Uh, I think this is a scary fight for for Michael Johnson, to be honest. But but yeah, maybe Michael Johnson can do a bit of a stick and move here against uh, someone that is like not super high volume and is kind of on the wild side. So who knows? Who knows? But yeah, I mean, I'm a bit scared for Michael Johnson here. Jasmine Jasuda Bichus will fight Priscilla Cachoeira. Uh, Cachoeira is going to get like fucking grappled here. Like not not much else I can say here. Brad Tavares will fight Hobocop Gregory Rodriguez. This one should be fun. Uh I think Tavares is like too busted to win this one. Uh I think Robocop at this stage is like just better everywhere. Uh but maybe could get interesting because uh Tavares very hard to take down. Uh, Rodriguez like the Rodriguez like the takedowns a lot. And and Hobokov, like Tavares not the biggest hitter. He's like super bad at finishing people. But Hobokov is kinda kinda fragile sometimes, so so maybe it can get it can get fun. What else we have? Uh Alias have Hisriev is fighting Mahmoud Muradov. Interesting that they pair these two. Uh, Muradov, I would say, has a big advantage on the feet, but can he defending? Can he defend the takedowns for from Kisriev? I don't know to be honest. I will have to watch tape, but it's like a intriguing, intriguing fight. Uh, I'm, I mean, I mean, Uncle Ayev and Johnny Walker are having a rematch. Um, whatever. Um, Viviana Araujo is fighting Natalia Silva. This one is actually a lot of fun. Um, I think Silva takes it like super easily, but Araujo is like a strong grappler and and very athletic. But but yeah, I think Silva wins this one to be honest. But it's still it's fun. Then we have uh, the pay per view. This one is a pay per view, right? I don't know, but yeah, it's um, 
PFL 10. This is happening on Friday. Uh, the main event has is for the for the lightweight tournament. Clay Collard versus Olivier Ovi Messier should be a good fight. Uh, five rounds, especially a lot of fun. So yeah, I'm excited for this one. Very cool fight. Uh, Co-main has Heran Ferreira against Denis Goldsov. Uh, this is heavyweight. I have not seen any heavyweight fight from the PFL tournament this year, so. I cannot give you comments. Uh, before that, we have Larissa Pacheco versus Marina Monakina. And I'm, I'm guessing Pacheco wins. Like, but Monakina is like a, a grappler, so who knows? <laughs> but yeah, I mean, this is Pacheco's division now, so if she loses, it, it, should, it would be very funny. Uh, the welterweight fight is a lot more interesting than those lives too. We had Magomed Magomed Kerimov against Saidi Busai. Uh, hoping Ma uh, Magomed Kerimov wins here. I'm not a big fan of Sai, to be honest. Uh, Magomed Kerimov was very good, but got clanked last year by by Ray Cooper. And Sai actually has looked more aggressive and using his enormous size to his advantage on this to get to the final, so yeah. Uh, Impa Kasanganai, who former middleweight and, and welterweight, uh, move up, move it up to light heavyweight for this tournament, and he finds himself in the final here against Josh Silvera. Uh, haven't seen Josh Silvera a lot, but hopefully it's a good scrap. And then we have the non-tournament bouts, and there's a few interesting ones. Uh, Kyla Harrison is fighting. Aspen Lad, I'm guessing this is lightweight. Uh, if it, if it is lightweight, I'm not very interested because like, Harrison is way bigger than Aspen Lad. Aspen Lad had trouble making uh, 135 in the UFC, but I think that's mostly because of bad like weight cutting protocol and dieting. Kyla Harrison is a fucking big lad. Uh, she's going to probably top game Aspen Lad. Aspen Lad, though, a very well-rounded, so maybe an interesting challenge for Kyla. Ray Cooper the third is it's fighting in a 185 bout I think against Derek Bronson. Is this a middleweight fight or is this a light heavyweight fight? I don't know. Because if it is light heavyweight, like Bronson could show up like super big and could have a good chance of maybe wrestling Ray Cooper, but Ray Cooper is a very good wrestler. So if the size difference is not that big, uh Ray Cooper is going to bong Derek Bronson because he's a very solid wrestler, as I already said, and he hits very fucking hard. Ask Jay Shields about it. Then back to the tournament fights. Oh, we have all the finals here. Uh, Jesus Pinedo is fighting Gabriel Albas Braga for the featherweight final. And Pinedo looks very solid in the fights that I saw, and I do not remember seeing. Gabriel Alves Braga, so cannot comment much on this. Then we have Blackie Oli Walsh versus Joel Galarza Lopez. I don't know. Uh, Bubba Jenkins is fighting Chris Wade. That fight is very cool, actually. That one is cool. Um, Kai Wu is fighting Phil Caracapa. And Jesse Stern is fighting Josh Blyden. Don't know about those guys, but. Yeah, uh, solid event. Uh, is it worth uh, 50 bucks? I would say no. No, no not at all. <laughs> like, no. 
but but if you can watch it any other way, I think it could be fun. Let's answer some of the questions here. Um, this is not DSP. Ask me what would be the lowest, most depressing way in which Tony Ferguson will lose to Paddy Pimblet. Uh, I I'm not sure. Uh, most of them, like a close decision, would be very sad. I think, but I have this idea in my mind that Paddy Pimblet is going to head kick Tony Ferguson for some reason, and that would suck so fucking much. Also, like Akimura would suck too. But yeah. Uh, it's gonna be very depressing. Uh, Shayas asked me which fighters on one Lumpini have been your favorite to watch. Oh man, uh, I'm very bad with the Thai names. Uh, Suoblak, I like a lot. Uh, he's been very fun to watch in all his fights. Uh, Sexan, obviously he moved the like actual one, but yeah, Sexan, I made an article about him. He's very, very cool, and those two are would be mostly my favorite. Um, and there's a lot of us uh, that because I haven't been watching the stadium these last few years, and so I'm not familiar with many of these guys. I only watch them on one, and one has like so many fights that I it's kind of hard to keep up with. Especially because it's all Fridays, but I, I always watch because they're they are fun and they are very accessible uh, for me and the time that they show us. Even though I complain about the, the rule set a lot, um, when when the when, when the Thai guys translate well to the to the rule set, uh, they put on very very good fight, very good fights. Uh, Norey B nineteen eighty six asked me thoughts on current combat sports landscape. Uh, Showtime is out. One is in trouble. PFL buying Bellator, and the UFC class action progressing. Actually, like maybe this will open up like like something better for the fighters. I think. Um, yeah, I mean Showtime being out, it's weird. Uh, it's like it's been like a, a synonym of boxing for such a long time but I think on the boxing side of things um, maybe boxing can can see a bit of a of a lull in in popularity because it it will stop being so accessible in the United States um, but I think boxing as it is a sport will be fine as you as we know there's a lot of problems with boxing as it is and also with MMA obviously but they are different problems it's mostly like the the bullshit uh, bureaucracy with uh, all the federations and the different belts and the mandatory defense and and all that kind of stuff. To they just like having a lot of champs because they know it's marketable to certain to certain markets, especially. But yeah, I mean, I think boxing should be okay. Maybe we'll lose a bit of popularity. Or uh, one being in trouble, it's. I mean, we all we all knew it was coming. Like we know, one is not generating money, and they they're paying like somewhat close to UFC, maybe probably better to some in some cases. And they have so many fighters, so many champions that they have to pay well. They put on so many fights, all the bonuses, all that kind of stuff, the high pro production values, and they're not making them that money back and. 
And yeah, what's going to happen? I don't know. Like, I hope they can keep most of the good fighters, especially when it comes to like kickboxing and Muay Thai. Uh, the, the MMA side is not that good right now. I mean, they have some very, very good fighters, but they do not have like healthy divisions. So maybe some of them can move to the new PFL uh, Bellator Merge or some to the UFC. I would be okay with that. Um, or maybe one can finally start cross-promoting with Rising, maybe. I don't know, but it's it sucks a bit. Uh, I think one, obviously it's like an insane money scheme. <laughs> like, they're just throwing money at a window and see what happens. And what happens is not getting a lot of money back. But I think uh, one is a, a very positive force for... Not not saying that it's not like a greedy corporation, but I think in the in the hell dystopia of c capitalism that we have in combat sports, I think having one is good overall. Uh, especially because it, it is so popular, it's doing so much for Muay Thai, even though, as I've talked many times before, uh, Muay Thai, a very degenerate version of Muay Thai, that not everyone agree. Uh, with the vision of one when it comes to Muay Thai, but he also puts grappling on the spotlight, uh, kickboxing, and MMA, and obviously uh, it one does great numbers in social media. So I think, uh, I think one will keep existing, but if they have to like sell a lot of fighters, and they become like a smaller organization, it wouldn't be cool. I would miss the big, the big one events a lot. PFL buying Bellator, on the other hand, could get very interesting. They're saying uh, Bellator is, will keep existing for overseas events. And they are already targeting uh, champion versus champion events. Obviously, they do not have all the same divisions. So some fighters like Pachi Mix won't get a fight. And that sucks. But uh, yeah, I mean, the champion versus champion is hype. Uh, what do I want? To be honest, I just want PFL to absorb all the Bellator talent that they can, uh, because it would make for a lot more like better matchups overall. I think uh, PFL now with Bellator, they need to. I don't know what what uh, what should they do. I I'm not sure if they should keep the, the playoffs and the tournament for, format. I know that's like the whole PFL thing. And the million dollars, obviously, for the winner is very cool. Uh, so obviously, I'm not against that. But um, but yeah, I mean, now with this like mega roster uh, in some divisions, like comparable to the UFC now that they're joining forces, uh, I think uh, PFL could, could do with making some events with just good matchmaking to take advantage of the of the talent that they will have now with the Bellator fighters. So yeah, I mean, it would be good to make some competition for the UFC. And they could start, especially now that they have Ngannou too, uh, to say like, hey, maybe the UFC, does, the UFC champions are not the best in the world. Even though I think most of the champions in the UFC are, are by far the best in the world. But yeah, I mean, they could start running that angle. Um, Bellator always wanted to run that angle, but they do not have uh, the talent. Even though they have some very good divisions, uh, like Bantamweight and Featherweight in Bellator were great. 
and lightweight at one moment was fantastic as well. But yeah, I mean, they, they should try, uh, I guess, keep putting on the tournaments, but also, like, just make a big fucking event without any, like, tournament thing, just do the matchmaking that the fans want to see and promote it, put a lot of money into that. I think that that should be the move for PFL by Invelator. And when it comes to the UFC class action progressing, um, I just hope uh, we do not see a, like a settlement outside uh, the courtroom uh, because I mean obviously the the fighters that are that are suing will see the benefits, but I think what we all want is the the UFC to to get punished for this for the very sketchy practices. Um, for being like non-transparent at all, and it would be ben it would be beneficial for mixed martial arts fighters all over the world if uh, big corporations, especially those that are bordering on monopoly like the UFC, are not allowed to do whatever they want, and they are forced to be more transparent to f pay better to the workers in this case the fighters. So yeah, I mean. I think uh, something good maybe comes out of this. Hopefully, hopefully, because sometimes the repercussions for the punishments are worse than the state before. And, and you know how corporations like the UFC are. But yeah, I mean, I just hope, I just hope that something good comes out of this and it can probably make the UFC better. It can probably make the UFC better. If they are not assholes and they are not like determined to fuck their fighters over, but maybe they are. Maybe they are. And finally, a uh, more like harder question. Uh, Strong Machine JK asked me, "What do you think uh, Diego, Diego Lopez ceiling is? Who should he fight next?" Um, I think Diego Lopez is like a strong top ten fighter. Uh, the ceiling is like maybe he gets to top five with the with the right matchmaking. I do not see Diego Lopez having much of a shot against like Volkanovski, Max Holloway, uh, Topuria. But uh, who who should he fight next? Uh, I think I think if you we really want to know the ceiling like right now, like just make him fight uh, Bryce Mitchell because I get the feeling that Bryce Mitchell just sits on top of him, and if he can beat Bryce Bryce Mitchell, that means that he's actually better than I think. If not, like, Dan Ige is always a fun fight. Uh, Nate Landwehr versus Diego Lopez would be crazy, would be great. Um, yeah, I think those those are the, the fights that I would like to see next. I think uh, he's a strong top 10 fighter with that unique game. But I think he has flaws that will keep him out of the, the cream of the crop. Uh, thank you guys for the, for the questions. Um, that's, that's the podcast really. What else, what else do I have to say here? I know what else do I have to say. I want you to remind you guys that the Brain Podcast is brought to you by X Marshall. X Marshall is a combat sport brand dedicated to supporting the Jiu-Jitsu community. Their goal is to create a fun training environment with unique and exciting designs and promote the gym culture we all love. X Marshall offers a range of products including rash guards, shorts, spats, geese, streetwear, and training equipment. 
Use code TheFightSite to get a 10% discount on your order now. That's TheFightSite, no spaces, all caps. And for the best deals and discounts, sign up to the mailing list and also follow their socials at XMarshallOfficial. Thank you so much, XMarshall, for your support. Also, guys, remember that if you want to support the fight site as an ongoing project, you can always support us on Patreon. For only five bucks, you can join our Discord server and get access to all our backlog of exclusive content, a lot of videos especially that we cannot put uh, we cannot put anywhere else. So yeah, to, to keep the fight site happening, you can support us on Patreon. Uh, for whatever amount you want, but for five si for five dollars a month you get all the benefits. Uh, Patreon.com slash fightsite. And finally, I still have two slots open for a commission video uh, for analysis. Uh, you can choose any three-round fight from kickboxing, MMA, or Muay Thai, and I will make a breakdown about it. For only 25 bucks, you won't find a service like this at this price anywhere else, and I just have two slots left for that price. So yeah, thank you so much, guys, for your support, and I catch you on the next one. I'm Fenyo from The Fight Side. See you next week, I think.